All right, welcome to Comic Chat episode number eight. Number eight. So it's gonna be great because uh, that rhymes. Yeah, I'm your host, Glennon McGee. Uh, I'm a nine year comedian in the Phoenix, Arizona area, and uh, I'm originally from Compton, California. Uh, speaking of which, I wanna start this show off with a moment of silence for uh, Tom, Tiny, Zeus, Lister, Jr., better known as Debo to most of you from the Friday movies. Uh, He passed away a couple days ago, and uh, he's from Compton, so I'll give him a moment of silence right now. Yeah, so rest in peace, uh, Tommy. Yeah, I, I um have a soft spot for that brother because not only he's from my uh, hometown, he was the first uh, black representation other than um, Junkyard Dog in the WWE when I was a little boy. Because like when I uh, first became a wrestling fan, like everybody else, uh, I was a Hulk Hogan fan. I was a Hulkamaniac. And then Ultimate Warrior came, and then I jumped off of Hulk Hogan. And then I saw uh, Zeus for the first time. And I was like, man, this dude is crazy. He was drooling and stuff, but he was all cross-eyed. But he was crazy, and he was kicking Hulk Hogan's ass. So I had no choice but to to fall in love with the, the Zeus character. And uh, No Hose Bar, we all know. Back in 1989 was a uh, huge film with him and uh, Hulk Hogan. And once again, he was kicking Hulk Hogan's ass. But, you know, Hulk Hogan won because it was his movie. But and then he, he, it was just, um, he did a great job. It was also like on TV shows like Walker, Texas Ranger. You know, he was uh, casted by uh, Quentin Tarantino. He, he was in a, a lot of... Uh, a lot of stuff. He just was out here in Phoenix uh, shooting a promo with a, a comic buddy of mine, Michael Cordoza, uh, for Lolo's Chicken and Waffles. Um, it was it was a cool brother, man. He was a cool brother. He went to uh, Compton High with my mom and my aunties, and you know it was they all they said he was nice and you know he was always big, but you know, rest in peace, Debo. Uh, I don't really like calling him Debo because that was such a low, uh, low range character for him. He just played a, a big dude in the hood and it was just unbelievable. But uh, before I go deeper into that, I want to say that this podcast can be found on Spotify, Pocket Cast, Google Podcasts, Radio Public and Breaker, as well as any time on the anchor. So yeah. Back to Tommy uh Lister, man. He was he was just a big ass black dude, man. And me being a child growing up in like the mid eighties, early nineties, it was just cool to see a buff black dude like slamming Hulk Hogan because I never really understood the uh the appeal of Hulk Hogan. 
he was just a a, a blonde haired white dude that was like huge and I just never got how you could knock a dude out with a fucking leg drop I was just I, ne- I never got that shit I was just like I think a buff dude could get up from another buff dude dropping his leg on him like what was so devastating about that leg drop to where he got the one two three almost every time so I really was looking for another wrestler to overtake him and then that's when the ultimate warrior came and I just liked him because he was painted all crazy and he ran out to the ring and he was shaking the ropes and biting the fucking turnbuckle it was a great character (laughs) so yeah rest in peace to uh Tommy Lister, man, you was awesome, and you was an inspiration to a little boy like me from the hood, so yeah, uh, I want to start by um, talking about being spiritual, being spiritual uh, doesn't mean that you are perfect, because a lot of people they always try to attack me when when I show a human side that isn't all peace, love, and positivity. It's not really anger, but it's it's not peace, love, and you know positivity and spirituality and all this that I talk about. And they try to say, well, oh, that's not a very spiritual thing for you to do. It's it's not a very uh, positive thing for you to do. That mean that what does that mean? Is that your uh, perception? Am I not living up to your perception of what spirituality is? Because my perception of spirituality is that I am trying to get better every day. It doesn't mean that I'm going to ever be fully better. (laughs) It means that I will strive to be better every single day. So it doesn't mean that if you say something or do something stupid, I can't say, hey, man, you stupid ass. What the fuck are you doing? Or why did you say that dumbass shit? <laughs> it, it, it don't mean that uh, I, I can't be myself. It, it, honestly, it means that I'm going to be more of myself. So it might bring more of that part of my personality out. Because that's really who I am. Maybe the fact that I wasn't doing it before I started... Uh, studying, studying spirituality and meditating and things, it was probably because I was people pleasing and I wasn't being authentic to who I truly was. So I would just like to say that, like, if you study in spirituality and you meditate and all that, you don't have to be all perfect because there's no such thing. We are imperfect beings because we are not the uh, we are not the all powerful. We are just a, a piece of that spiritual source uh, made into uh, human perception and allowed to roam inside of this earth but uh, yeah I also wanted to talk about praying for those who wrong you because uh, positivity and love conquers all negativity and uh, bitterness and evil. So the ultimate act of love is to put aside your anger towards somebody and wish them the same 
of goodness and peace and kindness that you wish for yourself, even though you may not particularly want to uh, perceive that for them. But I know that you're thinking, if you're doing that and you really don't want to perceive that for them, is that uh, people-pleasing? No, I say that's more of practicing uh, trying to act out of love instead of inside of ego because it only feels good to your ego to see other people in pain because um, no matter what someone does, once a person passes away, it's usually um, a lot of sadness. No matter who that person is, no matter who that person is, we, we feel some type of sadness and, and compassion for them no longer being able to uh, experience uh, life. So that's why I think that you should pray for those who wrong you because it it's really don't have nothing to do with you also. It's, it's more or less them and they, they're using you to project some type of pain that they can't deal with within their own self. So once you forget, once you uh, figure that out, then it should be easier for you to forgive people for their small transgressions against you. And also, you don't want to uh, create a blockage in your own path and create a pathway for negativity to uh, repel your desires and, and your destiny. So I think that praying also uh, propels positive energy and goodness, and it helps you um, flow smoothly towards whatever it is you're trying to to pursue in your um, path of existence. So um, that is that's all I really want to talk about with that um, spiritual justice. Spiritual justice. I, I say it's spiritual justice because we we call it karma. Every action has a reaction. And it usually has to do with the energy that you put out. If you do a lot of negative stuff and bitter stuff, and um I don't like the word evil, but sometimes people can be evil, evil stuff. Then some, somewhere along your existence, you're going to get that back because that's just how energy works. It just circulates and flows. So whatever you put out, it just comes back around because the natural uh, flow of energy is usually in a circle. So <laughs> you're, you're, you're going to get it back. So... You, if your job, if you've been the person who've received someone else's uh, negativity, is like to not laugh at them when they receive it back. Because you're just going to create a pathway for your uh, own negativity to come back into your life. So to, to laugh at someone who have wronged you when they've been wronged in return for which they've done to you, it only creates a circle for you to receive the same thing. And then you'll be wondering, 
why are you going through this? Why did my car break down? Uh, why do I don't have the money for that bill? You know, it could be anything. And uh, we don't pay attention to to this because we want to uh, we want to go. Yeah, that we, we we got that motherfucker. That's what that motherfucker gets. See, shouldn't have done that to me and whatever. And it's really the fact that nobody really did did anything to you. You, you allowed <laughs> that to be done to yourself because it's something that you ignored. It was probably right in your face the whole time, but you ignored it because you were people pleasing or uh, you just you wanted to be nice or you didn't want to uh, be confrontational and start a conflict. But usually when, when people have some type of spiritual justice, when somebody has wronged them and, and it comes back around, they, they like to spread it and tell people how it's what happened to that person and kind of giggle and smirk and laugh. And it usually, a couple weeks later, that person who's doing all the laughing and dancing is in the position of the person that they're uh, laughing at. So spiritual justice should not bring uh, joy to anyone. Instead, it should bring lessons to, to both sides. And the lesson is that we are all the same and we all go through the same thing. This is all one ball of energy. And that's why individuality is kind of a, a non-existent thing. Because we, we all flow just in different directions. But we pro- we're going to all end up in the same uh, place. Which is in the ground. Our, our burnt up back into whatever the, uh, the earth source we, we come from. But yeah, that was that's really what I wanted to talk about today because I see a lot of people wanting to seek their own revenge and make room for themselves and laugh at uh, other people's pain. And that is, uh, not only is that wrong, it does nothing for you. It just creates a later situation for you to be the one doing the, the suffering. And... Uh, I had a show yesterday. I really, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry to switch gears so quick. I had a show last night at El Charo Hipster. It was a fantastic show. It was probably my uh, best 17 minutes to date. It was really, uh, it was a really cool room. I love that place because uh, they have open mic there um, on Wednesday nights at seven. Ran by Noah Flores. Uh, so look that up. Uh, on Instagram at El Charo Hipster Cafe, um, you can find him on Facebook El Charo Hipster. Uh, you can find Noah Flo- Flores on a Charo Hipster. No, at El Charo Hipster, <laughs> and you can find him on Facebook. I'm all tongue tied because uh, I waited all day to to do this, and I was watching fucking football games. I don't understand why I watch football anymore. Um, yeah, so I had a show yesterday. It was it's pretty cool. It was hosted by um, Peter Jordan. It was a John Fletcher show. Uh, it was a mix of music and comedy. I was uh, featuring for uh, Christopher Royer. It was a uh, very good show. He did a, a awesome uh, 30 minutes. Everybody did great on this show. Uh, shout out to 
Daniel Bridgegad. <laughs> he did an awesome 10 minutes. Uh, True Deer Gal, Lexi Charday, uh, Lexis Charday, um, Noah Flores, and um, Pete, uh, KJ Samora. I uh, almost forgot KJ Samora. He's awesome. He did a uh, he did a, a bit yesterday. He did a closer yesterday. It's an awesome bit where he um, he sings a rock song. But instead of playing like a guitar or a drum, he played an actual didgeridoo. If you do not know what a didgeridoo is, it's the Australian instrument that goes. Yeah, he he had one of those, and it was it was pretty awesome. It, it worked like a charm. It was a very um. It was a very good use of music and like prop comedy at the same time. So shout out to Gay, KJ Gay, <laughs> KJ Samora for uh, doing an awesome job on the show last night. And if you want to check out El Charo Hipster, just go ahead and look them up on any uh, social media website. Um, it was a pretty intimate. It's a pretty intimate room, and I like those rooms some people uh some comics people some comics uh love like big arenas and like clubs and things like that i like the uh intimate settings where the people are like right up on you where you where you feel like uh if you say the wrong thing somebody could just run up and punch you it's <laughs> i don't know it's something about that type of pressure that that does it for me i like to uh you know be able to like look right at the person and, and talk to them and engage with them because they can be helpful if they're a good audience member and they're not really trying to uh, steal the show. Because some audience members, if you uh, talk to them, they kind of try to take your whole set and then you might have to put them in their place by ripping them. But if, if a good audience member knows when to you know, just play off of you and uh, smile until you're done with them. Because they understand that the show is is yours and, and they're just there to watch. And it's good that you include them, but they uh, know that they're not the comedian. So it, it's, it's really good. I like to uh, have the audience close to me because the connection is easier to make. And uh, you could feel where to go during the set because you can feel their energy right there up on you like don't you say that stupid shit <laughs> or if your your joke does not land you can just feel the oh that that's just not funny and then you have to cover it up with some bullshit and move on but yeah I, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with like clubs because I love clubs too especially when they they're packed <laughs> to the gills it's nothing more amazing than doing like a major club with it's full but I just like that um it's kind of like uh, I used to play basketball as a as a youngster it's kind of like being on the on the street when you when you're doing like a bar or a restaurant and the crowd is just right there up on you it, it's just it's like being right there on that asphalt and you you hit a jumper in the motherfucker face and there's nothing there's nobody there but other motherfuckers from the neighborhood and they all just look at the dude that got hit 
<laughs> and they just go, ooh, and he just feels all bad. And he tried to get you back on the next possession for his team. So that's just how I equate uh, doing uh, restaurants and bars as to clubs. And going to clubs are like being at the gym. That's like game time. You better bring your whole arsenal of funny because you, every time you do a club, it's an audition because it, they're paying you. <laughs> and even if they're not paying you, even if it's just an a open mic, you auditioning for a potential paid spot. So it's more pressure, but the lights are bigger. And, you know, I, I love that shit too. But my favorite shit is practicing and, and, and being in restaurants and bars because it's a more, uh, I want to say, it's a more people feel. You, you get uh, more real people. You don't get like people who laugh because they paid a bunch of money and they're worrying about their check and you know they paid like fucking eight dollars for a coke and some fucking chicken fingers that was microwavable they they (laughs) so it's i I like those the restaurants and bars because you get more people that are are like you on a day to uh day basis um also 10 minutes left i think no nine minutes left i want to uh touch on a couple uh, sports things that happened this weekend. Uh, Sarah Fuller, the uh, place kicker for the Vanderbilt uh, football team, she uh, scored a extra point in the team's 42-17 to loss to Tennessee on Saturday. She was the first woman to score in a Power 5 conference game. That's a ACC, SCC, Big 10, Big 12, uh, <laughs> Pac-12 conference game, I think, or ACC. I'm not sure if the uh, Pac-12 is power five conference, but um, congratulations to her. She continues to make strides in for women in uh, not only scholastic sports, but sports in general. Um, there was some boxing on yesterday. Uh, Anthony Joshua defended his title against Kubrat Pulev. He knocked him out in the uh, seventh round. It was a complete domination by the champ. It was his first fight uh, uh, since COVID. It was the first fight since the lockdown and all that. It took place in Great Britain, his hometown, and he kind of just destroyed the dude, and he knocked him out cold in, in the seventh round setting up a potential super fight hopefully with uh Tyson Fury <laughs> coming up in the future um also in the UFC uh Tony Ferguson American Tony Ferguson was just um shellacked and beaten up and tossed all around the octagon last night by Brazilian uh Charles Oliveira it was a dominant performance he slammed Ferguson multiple times. They both were busted up, but he was uh, on Ferguson like a rabbit dog all night, and he ended up submitting him in the third round. It was uh, was a pretty primal thing to look at UFC. Sometimes I'm not really into into it like most people, but I kind of checked out the, the replay like on YouTube because 
uh, I was performing during the fight last night, so I heard a lot of people or a lot of comics uh, talking about how uh, Tony Ferguson is supposed to be a badass or whatever. So I decided to look at it, and he uh, got his ass beat. <laughs> um, he he got a, I don't know what it is about those UFC dudes. They have perfect bodies, but their heads are like pit bull heads. It's, it's just huge. I don't, I don't know if it's the shit that they shoot up, but that shit is crazy. And, and Tony Ferguson is a hideous looking motherfucker. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but that was, uh, this weekend was a very, um, very eventful weekend in the, the, the sports front. Uh, I just want to close with, by saying, uh, control what you are given and believe what you can't control will work out for your good because a lot of our life is what we believe and uh, what we um, think, which leads to how we act, but we really don't uh, think about it because every time, even I'm just going to use anger because a lot of people, uh, a lot of people revert to anger quicker than any other emotion because it's the easiest one to to channel when you get angry there's a certain thing that happens to you either the hair raises on your arms or your body temperature starts to rise and that's the beginning point of your anger in order to defeat that you have to notice that every time it starts And then you have to change whatever thoughts you have because usually it's some made-up emotion in order to keep yourself in anger. You're usually like, yeah, this motherfucker said that shit. I'm going to fix that motherfucker. You can't do that shit to me. Who the fuck this motherfucker think it is? And, And, you know, you end up getting angrier and angrier and escalating the situation. You know, so you want to catch yourself. You want to catch yourself when you start to feel that your temperature rise or you want to start rubbing your hands together. You want to catch that. You want to start thinking positive thoughts like this dude (laughs) may not. uh, He may be going through some things. You know, you might want to try to uh, look at the fact that he may be going through problems just like you have problems. Because a lot of us don't consider that other people have problems like us. We just look at our own problems and and make them appear uh, way bigger than they really are in actual reality, and then we uh, we project them onto others. But what you can control, there are certain things in your life path that are in your control, like whether to start a beef, whether to pay a person back. Whether to say something nice when somebody says something mean to you. And I know this all sounds like a bitch-ass shit. And I, and I used to think that way too. But doing the real, doing the real shit, sometimes it, it, it turns things in a sour direction. And you end up having to uh, clean up a bigger mess than that needed, than, than that needed to be made. Uh, it's just, uh, we, we like to to show ourselves or what we perceive as ourselves to each other because we feel like it makes us look 
uh, good or it makes us intimidating or we, we're, we're bad or whatever it is. But it really is just a bunch of foolishness that we really going to regret later on in life. And we're going to try to hide it from the people we did it for, which is usually people who don't care about us. So uh, control what you are given to control and believe what you cannot control will work out for your good. And I say your good because you want to put that positive energy out uh, about all aspects of your life. You, you, every aspect of your life, you want to have positive energy flowing into it. And that all starts with thoughts. And then from those thoughts, you can create beliefs. And then from those beliefs, you'll start doing actions and you'll become an all around uh, more positive person. And then you experience a uh, totally more positive reality. And I know that it, it sounds like, oh, man, you got to do a lot of uh, a lot of surrendering. Which, yeah, it is. You, you have to surrender the uh, the thought of your control and, and your uh, power so that you can gain the true power, which is the uh, true mastery over yourself and your desires and, and your anger and the, to the point where you're just a positive spiritual being. It's kind of like you... Um, dead while you're alive because you know people say that death is just a uh, really really peaceful experience and you want to try to create that experience in your uh, waking reality this has been comic chat episode 8 thank you guys for uh, listening Um, I will be at Cobalt on Wednesday uh, December the 16th and uh, I will let you guys know how that show went if you don't come out to Cobalt and see it I'll tell you about it on uh, the next podcast um, this podcast can be found on Spotify, Pocket Cast, Google Podcast, Radio Public and Breaker um Thank you all for listening to Comic Chat. I am your host, Glendon McGee. Spread peace, love, and harmony, and it will come back to you tenfold. Have a harmonious week. Peace.